This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! Is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into science, sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. They ship worldwide. They update daily. So like I said, comic books, signed wrestling figures, signed sports memorabilia from like baseballs to footballs. Anything you need or want, it's literally there. The best thing, they update daily. So please visit them every day. And if you're into video games and books, please visit BossFightBooks.com today for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Galaga, Super Mario Bros. 2, Metal Gear Solid, and so many others. Everything you see on their website is available in paperback and ebook format, so please check out BossFightBooks.com today. And if you want to support me directly, please visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com. Or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to phone mugs, travel cases, even baby onesies I got. Anything you need or want, it is there. But the most easiest thing, the most important thing, the most free thing that you could do, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is an Emmy Award-winning reporter and a current lead commentator for the National Wrestling Alliance, the man who likes his coffee black, Joe Galli. Steve, what's going on, big dog? How are you? I'm doing good, my friend. How are you? Oh, couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Like You got your plugs in. I got to get my plugs in. Nothing more refreshing than a crisp, natural Bush Light Bush, the official beer sponsor for the National Wrestling Alliance. Okay, we can move forward. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, when you, okay, obviously you're a professional and everything, but when you first started in broadcasting and all this, how would you get through like your read so you wouldn't stumble? Do you, did you have like some kind of mnemonic device or, or did you just have a great memory? Uh, well, there's practice. Practice is usually the key thing there sure. is like if you go through it, it and there were you know for the bush light spots that we that i did on nwa and that you'll hear throughout the rest of the season of power and hopefully you know continuing on uh a lot of that was just kind of taken from like really old bush light commercials that i watched like i would just go on youtube and watch 
you know, a Bush Light Super Bowl ad from 1988. Oh, shit. And all fantastic lines about, like, being a cowboy and, you know, the, the mountain is the source of all of nature's goodness, and so why don't you go with the beer that's just as good as the mountains? <laughs> all those other lines. And so you just kind of borrow from that and you take from that. And, um, and you know, they're, they're called live reads when they're doing it in radio or you're doing it you know, especially on radio, because nobody can really see that you're reading. Sure. Um, so, like, I kind of, you have to kind of pick your moments. So if I know I'm going to be off camera, I'll just read what's there. And a lot of times it's stuff that I'll write. And, you know, this isn't the first time that we've had really great sponsors in the National Wrestling Alliance. Now we have our Pro Wrestling Tea Store. We have uh, Car Shields. We have Bush Light. And a lot of people, it's getting a lot of attention to it. So I'm getting a lot of practice, which is really good. That's awesome. And you guys have been traveling. Obviously, you went to St. Louis and all that instead of being at the soundstage. How was that? And do you guys think you're going to do more of the traveling or is it going to stick to, to the original set? Oh, no, we're absolutely traveling. Wrestling fans on the East Coast will have an opportunity to see some fantastic NWA wrestling uh, coming up in October. And then we're going to return to Atlanta uh, in December. And for another pay-per-view and then for our new uh, our uh, next series of tapings so it's really good that we're going to be ranching out we're going to be traveling more we're going to be doing more nice so we're going to be able you know interact with a lot of you know wrestling fans that love our product i mean there's so many people out there like yourself included you know we'd love to do a show up in canada and, please uh, yes it would, it would be nice and things obviously are a little difficult now traveling internationally right. and <laughs> Traveling domestically can be a challenge at times. So uh, we're looking forward to it, and we're hitting the road, and we're bringing NWA wrestling uh, uh, to a lot of great people out there that want to see it. And then, you know, you have to keep in mind, you know, the NWA, the way that we work, the way that we have, uh, we have so many great relationships with so many different brands out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can expect to see a lot of our NWA wrestlers on different shows, Mm -hmm. in different locations, whether that's going to be seeing a person like Mickey James back in the impact arena, or if it's something like seeing our NWA world women's champion Camille, you know, whether she's working a show in Charlotte, North Carolina, or coming out to my hometown of San Antonio, Texas to work a show out here. Um, there's so much of us that are, you know, movers and shakers and people want to, you know, they want to book NWA talent, of course. Uh, especially. And that's the great thing about being in the NWA and being a champion in the NWA you always saw that championship was able to travel and go to different organizations and we're Mm -hmm. continuing that tradition. And that gets more exposure. That gets more people to watch and more people to be able able to, uh, to experience that. Yeah, no, it's so true. And vice versa. You guys also have various talents from other promotions coming in. And how exciting is it not knowing who's going to so-called walk through the forbidden door any given night, right? Well, I have to tell you one of the biggest, uh, takeaways from uh like for i'm wearing the shirt right now i know you folks can't see it but i'm wearing my nwa empower shirt and um when austin kong came out right. uh, you don't know that was going to happen at all and just to have her come out in the presence and the moment that she had uh it, it was incredible and nobody thought that anything like that was going to happen of course. And, you know it's open you know they, they friends over at AEW like to talk about the forbidden door and I don't think there's a door to there anymore. It's just kind of a forbidden walkway, archway. <laughs> I don't breeze through. I don't, it's open. It's open right now. I don't think they're, 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 we've blown the hinges off. That's and so, true. so it, you, and you look at, 
you know, the, especially the international appeal where you have so much crossover and you've got, you know, folks from New Japan, AAA, mm-hmm. and, you know, our, our current NWA World's Tag Team Champions are hail from AAA. So right. we, the doors are open and we've got so much exposure. And what it really does is it kind of allows us to also cherry pick the best talent that's out there because so many people in the sport of professional wrestling, they really want to be a part of the National Wrestling Alliance because first and foremost, everybody who's in this in the sport is a fan of it first. <laughs> and if you're a fan of wrestling, if you're a fan of wrestling, then you're going to be a fan of the National Wrestling Alliance because at some point you're going to start seeing those tapes. You know, whether it's Jim Crockett promotion stuff or you know, wrestling at the chase back in the sixties and seventies, you'll see all that stuff and you'll get exposed to it and you'll really grow to like it um, even if you didn't you know myself i'm in my mid-30s so obviously i don't have this deep connection that a lot of people do who are you know a decade older than me right and or, or, or even older than that but at the same time i mean the internet's there and you get so much exposure whether it's to all the great stuff that happened in japan in the 50s 60s 70s and 80s or even in mexico if you can find the content that's there it's really what pro wrestling is supposed to be. It's the pro wrestling that draws. It's the pro wrestling that makes money. And it's the pro wrestling that a lot of, you know, pro wrestlers want to be a part of. So it allows the NWA to kind of be the shining light. And mm-hmm. it, everyone just kind of comes to it like a, like a moth to the flame. I mean, that in the best way possible that we're attracting so many people, whether it's fans who want to see the product or some of the best wrestlers out there that want to be a part of the product. Yeah, no kidding. Well said, exactly. So before you started with the NWA, let's rewind a bit. What made you become a wrestling fan? Well, you know, I was a kid, you know, and, you know, we, I, I had friends who were into wrestling. I think, it, you know, if I go way, way back, it kind of, when SmackDown originally started on Friday nights, okay. you know, I remember watching it on, sitting on the floor in my living room while my dad was passed out because he worked construction sure. <laughs> he just put in nine hours in the hot sun in southern california doing construction and uh i'm just sitting there you know watching stone cold steve austin in the market and that's you know my introduction into professional wrestling was that and then i had friends that i still am friends with today and many of whom still work in the professional wrestling mm-hmm. industry today my best friend Brandon Taylor uh, wrestles under the name Robert Baines, and mm-hmm. we started wrestling school together at the same time. We did a lot of we did the stuff that you're not supposed to do sure. at, you know, backyard hardcore hitting each other with cookie sheets, stupid stuff, uh, which kids you shouldn't do. But uh, at a certain point, there was an ad for, and this is really how you're going to date yourself. There was an ad for a pro wrestling school in a newspaper, a sure. physical newspaper, <laughs> where it was like sort of a buy one, get one free. If you brought another person that got to train for free for the mm-hmm. first day, I was like, all right, I'll go with you. And then I was hooked since then. And then I started, you know, working and I was doing indie shows in the Los Angeles area. And I continued to move on. I worked a bunch of shows in the Midwest, in Pennsylvania and all kinds of other places. And, um, then eventually transitioned over into, more of the broadcaster commentary role and I've kind of fit in there, you know, really well. So, and it's, uh, I wouldn't change trade anything for the world. So I'm happy to be, you know, okay. in that position. I don't have to take any bumps anymore. So what was your character? Who were, were you yourself? Were you some, were you playing someone? No, 
I was a very silly Gaga character. It was okay. underwear. Like, it's one of those things that you think of when you're when you're early twenties and you think it's funny. Sure. And it turns out to be bad, you know. And then so I, I'm glad I kind of stepped away from that. And there's you know there's not any real video evidence. I mean, I worked a lot of super small shows that, and you know this was way. This was right at the time when, like, some people had camera phones and some people didn't have camera sure. phones. There's not a whole lot out there that uh, that could show my uh, professional wrestling skill, which is fine. Uh, <laughs> better off for it. I'm happy to be in this position now. And, you know, I've, at this point, I've gotten to the, the point where I'm, I'm really trying to give back to the people that, you know, really want to be that center of the squared circle and to be champion some places. That's why sure. I uh, volunteer and I'm a, I like to say I'm the adjunct professor professor of character development at the dog pound dojo, which is a school here in San Antonio, Texas, which is run by jazz and her husband, Mac uh, Thunder Rosa was also a coach there, but as we all know, she's a very busy human being. Yep. Uh, AEW and mission pro wrestling. And so she's, you know, she still supports it, but she's not so much a full-time coach there anymore. So I've kind of picked up there. And then once again, I was another opportunity where I was able to take my best friend who's been in the wrestling business exactly long, as long as I have. Right. Uh, but he stopped being in the ring and now he's actually helping out and training a lot of these kids there. And, you know, there's such an incredible amount of talent that's here in central and South Texas. And uh, nice. the dojo that I'm at at the dog pound dojo right now, um, and I think because of the affiliation that we have with jazz and the affiliation that, you know, we had with Thunder Rosa for as long as she was a, a coach there, mm-hmm. um, it's bringing in people. I mean, we've got people who travel all the way from Sweden wow. uh, to San Antonio, Texas. And think of all the wrestling schools that they flew over just to make it to the middle of Texas to train somewhere. Uh, but that's because of what we offer. And, uh, you know, I, I a wrestling school that was incredibly character based and um, like everything that we talked about was was based on creating a character and creating moments. Mm-hmm. And I think schools out there that don't do that right now. And there's a lot of wrestling schools out there that are just going to tell you, you know, this is how you take the bump. You know, this is the structure of a match. You know, tackle, drop down, hip toss, work that a thousand times. But we like to stretch that out and expand that more with our students that we have here in San Antonio at the Dog Pound, and to really make them characters. Because that's the real way that you get over. Though know, you could be the best technical wrestler in the world, and there's been a whole bunch of them out there. Of course, uh, but if you got a promo and you can't get people interested in you, then there's 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 not a lot there. And that kind of goes back to the NWA. I mean, all of our people that we have in the NWA, um, they're all incredible characters, and they all have very good mic skills. Even if we don't see a lot of them, too, you know, sure. just take the example of Austin Idol being there, mm. like just a yep. image that we have there with Austin <laughs> Idol. And he's, you know, the manager and mouthpiece for Tyrus. And there isn't a human being on earth that could do a better job talking than Tyrus. Right. I mean, you see it in the NWA or all the spots that he does on Fox News. Exactly. He's incredibly intelligent. He's a fantastic promo. But we also have Austin Idol there. And then, so it's created this incredible thing where you get to see these incredible segments with Austin Idol and his crew and Tyrus, and especially with Kyle Davis there. And it makes incredible television and it's good storytelling. 
Well, no, most definitely, because the main thing everyone says that's fantastic about Power is it's, first off, one hour, perfect amount of viewing time that you could consume. The old school aesthetic, obviously, but in my opinion, it's those talking segments where anything could happen that unscripted, off the top of their gut, like old school storytelling. Like, I love that shit. Like, I, I can't remember which one I was watching the other day, but it went totally off the hinges and you, they ran out of time and they were still going while you and someone else were talking. And it was like, oh, this is how old school wrestling should be. No, and I agree. And that's, and that's the other thing too. And, you know, um, like I mentioned before, it, it all comes down to the character and the interest level that you can have with that person that has to be that connection. And there's so many right. fantastic characters out there. Yep. And um, many of them are just uh, uh, the, the same person that they are, maybe just ratcheted up to a, another level. I mean, you take a look at AEW wrestling and you can see Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. And Adam Cole, I think, is the best example of Adam Cole's just Adam Cole. <laughs> right. And the same could be said for CM Punk. And in, in, and Thunder Rosa and all those places, people that are there. And so we tend to gravitate towards that. And then we have so many people that like couldn't, maybe the timing wasn't right where they were and they weren't able to fit the mold. I don't know, you know, I couldn't tell you how many opportunities Trevor Murdoch had when he was at WWE to cut a promo and to get his character over. Right. I'm sure you, especially him being a, a former tag team champion, but it's not nearly the same that he got here in the NWA and was able to get this incredible emotional attachment from all of these fans, which then culminated in him, you know, going back to his hometown where he was born and raised in St. Louis and becoming the holder of the 10 pounds of gold in front of his family. Um, and those are incredible moments um, that it, it takes a special person to, to, to bring that out and to make that connection with people so that you have, you know, it ends up having a sold out show at the chase and like people are crying. I know. Yeah. And that, again, that goes back to good storytelling, right? So how did you get started with the NWA? Well, so, uh, I originally, um, had kind of stepped away from in ring wrestling and I moved back to Southern California and I'd been in broadcast journalism for a while. Okay. And, I'm going to keep bringing this guy up. It just kind of happened with this podcast. I don't know why, but sure. we're getting a lot of good bugs for Robert Baines slash Brandon Taylor. But at the time, uh, he was the heritage champion over at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, which is Dave Marquez's produ- promotion uh, out of Los Angeles. And uh, fantastic, you know, it's to this day, a lot of great talent on there, a lot of good friends that worked that show. Mm-hmm. And its sister show, Championship Wrestling from Arizona, and it's all its other offshoots that they have there. But um, I happened to move back to Southern California. It was it was sort of a perfect timing sort of thing because for the longest time, uh, their lead commentator was Todd Kennelly, mm. and Todd Kennelly had uh, you know got the call from TNA that they were looking to have him come in and call the action with you know Mike Tanay and Taz, join that whole TNA crew at the right. time. And so they had an opening. And so my first show at Hollywood in the Ocean View Pavilion was the Red Carpet Rumble, which is his Dave Marquez's version of the Royal Rumble, which okay. arguably is the biggest show for Hollywood. And uh, I did some backstage interviews. And mm-hmm. I think Dave, having his broadcast background, um, 
took a liking to me because he comes from that too. You know, he's an Emmy award winner as well. He's worked in local news. He's worked in so many different other types of broadcasts as well. And I was very surprised that the next taping I showed up and they said, well, go ahead and sit next to Johnny LaQuasto, your lead commentator. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> yes, I'll do this now. And I just jumped in it. And I learned a lot from Dave. Okay. Um, and I learned a lot from, from Johnny LaQuasto, to be honest with you. I learned a lot from Todd Kennelly, who had you know made that transition over to TNA. So he couldn't be on, on air with us, but he was there and he was able to give, give advice. And so I, it's, you know, when I talk about doing commentary, mm-hmm. it's, it's a struggle for a lot of people who see that as a dream job, because it's not like being a pilot where you can go to a school and you sure. can put in your hour practice and you can get a license. There's just not a whole lot of opportunities to do commentary other than you're just going to sit, watch, you know, put on WrestleMania 20 <laughs> and put it on mute and call it yourself or have a friend in the room and you're calling the wrestling there. Um, but I think I had this perfect storm of me having a background in professional wrestling of being in the ring and understanding what that aspect of it was. And also having the television background of being a broadcaster and being able to tell those stories. Um, and I had just enough good vocabulary to kind of move on through. And, uh, and I just got so much practice in there because, championship wrestling from Hollywood is a, you know, it, it's basically, if you think about it, it's, it's one of the last sort of territories that are, that's out there for mm. Southern California and they have weekly television. And so 52 weeks a year, there's an hour long broadcast that, mm. you know, aired on KDOC or still airs on KDOC. And so I got all the years of practice, uh, sitting at that desk with Gianna Costo and Grant Pachoco. And we have so many great producers that are there, you know, I, that's where I, I worked with Yuma for a number of years, mm-hmm. who you're now seeing uh, on NWA Power, um, and just learning from that whole group there. And that's where I was introduced to Billy Corrigan. Mm, okay. uh, this is when he had purchased the NWA and was looking to revitalize it. Right. And he wanted to have it restart someplace where there was television. And so those first appearances where Tim Storm was still the champion, this is before Nick Aldis's first reign. Right. Uh, I was calling those matches uh, with Tim Storm coming out. And, you know, he actually, one of his first matches he had at Hollywood, he actually wrestled, you know, Zicky Dice, and, wow. uh, who NWA fans know quite well. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was pulled to the side and, it was Billy Corgan and uh, his associate at the time. And they're like, we want you to be the voice of the national wrestling alliance. And I said, okay. <laughs> at the same time, I, I had, the, I didn't, I didn't see the full picture at that point. Sure. I sign me up. I'm good for it. Let's go. And uh, I had no idea that it would mean that in just a few short, you know, years, I'd be doing the NWA 70th anniversary show. And I'd be doing the Crockett Cup, and I'm sitting next to Tony Schiavone and Jim Cornette, calling matches with, you know, two of the biggest personalities that have ever, you know, talked into a microphone in professional wrestling. Right. And I'm the, I had no idea <laughs> that it, at that point I was just like, you know, to shake Billy Corgan's hand. It's like, okay, here's this rock star who, you know, at the time I thought, well, this is great. It's cool. You know, and obviously, like, I'd go back and I knew, you know, all of Dusty's matches and Ric Flair and, all this sort of stuff. And then they're like, we want to be the voice of this. And it's like, okay. And then I, 
I didn't realize the magnitude of that moment right. until years after. <laughs> and then it's like we're in Charlotte doing uh, the 70th anniversary show mm-hmm. or we're in Atlanta and it's like, oh my God, I, I just, there's a, I guess there's a right place and right time and having skills to, to step up to the moment. And I just kind of grabbed on and, and I'm, and I'm here now and it's incredible that we were able to go and, you know, if you went back and, you know, talked to that Joe Galley the day before I met Billy Corgan mm. and you like, Hey, you know, in a few years, you'll be at the Coruscant Ballroom in St. Louis, uh, bringing back wrestling at the chase. I would have been like, what's wrestling at the chase? <laughs> I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known. And, right. and that's one of those things. It, it, it wasn't my era. So like, sure. I wouldn't have known it, but it, I did, you know, it's one of those things. And then once you get involved in this brand, like everything just kind of starts and then, you know, the balls keep rolling and, you know, I'm up till four o'clock in the morning watching, you know, old tapes on YouTube, uh, you know, all the stuff that's coming out of St. Louis, all the Jim Crockett stuff. Right. And it, it just kind of keeps coming. And then, you know, back when we had the network, it was fantastic because there was so much of that stuff that, that was on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might still be on Peacock. I don't know. It's hard to navigate. Uh, <laughs> True. That, that's what I hear. Another time, but um, but now that I'm, I'm I, I couldn't. I'm completely blessed to be in this position, uh, you know, and to be working in the NWA, uh, not only as a commentator, but you know, doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes too. And um, it's it, the momentum that we've built, especially with these two pay per views. We had NWA in power. Oh, we yes. had NWA seventy three. I was going to say. And, you, we talk to the folks over at Fight, and they know exactly how many people order a pay-per-view. They know where they're coming from, and we have a huge uh, fan base out of Canada. So thank you and your brethren up there. <laughs> but it's all around the world, and you know they have a list of the top twenty biggest pay-per-views that they've had. You know, period. And you know, Fight they've got not only wrestling, they've got boxing, they've got MMA, right, and. Empower and 73 are in the top 20 biggest pay-per-view draws that they've ever had. That's awesome. It's incredible. That's incredible, especially when you take a look at the stuff and the star power that they draw and the enormous popularity of mixed martial arts, not only here in the United States, but across the world that's available through fight. Mm-hmm. And two pay-per-views that we had back-to-back are, are both in that mix. And so, and then we're, we're going to come back with our next pay-per-view that'll be out of Atlanta, um, and we'll be back into the room, you know, with the the big room, because I don't know if you noticed this in NWA Power. We, mm. be COVID, <clears throat> because COVID, we had to shift gears and take a smaller room in there because we couldn't accommodate so many people. Of course. Uh, you know, and once again, everything's fluid. You never know, knock on wood. <laughs> but we'll be back in the big room and we'll have that capacity where we'll have hundreds of fans in there. Perfect. And uh, we'll have that original feel that people really liked for uh nwa power when we first started in atlanta so that'll be really great now one thing i always wanted to know too about announcers and stuff okay i'm sure everyone screws up on air and does their whatever but has there ever been a point where you screwed up so badly but you recovered and no one even really noticed yes that actually happens a lot (laughs) okay (laughs) oh there there are a lot of things and you know it's professional wrestling sure and Mistakes will be made because, you know, in the NWA, we don't 
we don't redo anything. Oh, um, everything okay. basically live to tape. Gotcha. So if you fumble the football, you fumble the football. Right. Um, it's up to you to recover it. And so that's that's the job that I'm in. And I I pride myself of having relatively decent improv skills. Okay. <laughs> go ahead and, and I'm able to do that. I'm able to kind of bounce back in a lot of these situations. And um, there are certain situations if you kind of go back and maybe uh, you watch the champion series, that was a big part of our last season. Um, there are some times where there's some confusion as to who's on what team and whatnot. Mm. And because they're, you know, it's, the other thing too, you have to deal with um, when we're, when we're shooting these things and, you know, people who have been to our tapings will be able to tell you it's kind of a marathon mm. and we have a lot of matches and they're all back to back. That's the, the format for studio wrestling has always been that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you would tape multiple episodes at a time uh, and you might have a game plan as to what matches are going to go on this episode or that episode, or that episode. Sure. Uh, but, Things can change, whether it's somebody misses a flight, a wrestler gets hurt in what match mm. one, supposed to be a match ten, and so you need to change things on the fly. Of course, and so you know you have to have those improv skills, and you know, and and kind of just be able to work in those parameters and stuff. So you know, it's it's always and that's and that's really the fun part. Of it. There's no going back. Right, that's the way. I- and that's the way I like to do, like when I'm doing, you know, my other career as a professional journalist mm-hmm. doing news, you're live at five uh, and that's it. You right. don't get to go back and do it again. You know, you <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hold on. Retake. No, you're live at five. It's live television. <laughs> you gotta go. And so I thrive in that environment. And so that's it's always worked out really well with me. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, now going back to, like you said, the last two pay-per-views, because I, I really want to touch on those, because I really enjoyed both of them. Again, everything, the matches, the quality, the wrestlers, the storytelling, the tears, everything So w- with Empower. I loved it because not that the WWE pay-per-view that they put on wasn't a real woman's pay-per-view, but this felt different because, like you said, had representation from AAA. Impact, AEW, and obviously the NWA, right? So it felt like a true celebration in sense. And you weren't like almost, you couldn't say certain stuff if you didn't want. Like you were able to do whatever you wanted. So to me, that's what a true celebration is. And then you also have to keep in mind that, yes, WWE did have their all-women's pay-per-view. But the person who was putting together that pay-per-view was Vince Kennedy McMahon. That's true. Right. Um, and what was so great about Empower is, you know, yes, Billy Corgan's there. He didn't have any say so in how that pay per view was booked at all. That was all Mickey James. Nice. And circle of trust that she had with her other producers that she brought in, you know, Gail Kim and Jazz yep. um, and all the other folks that were, all the other women that were a part of that, uh, that inner circle to, to make Medusa. Um, so I think that that's what also made it special, you know, and then nostalgia is a big part of professional wrestling and have that nostalgia when you're at some 
basketball arena that's going to change its names four times in 12 years because they'll get different sponsors, you know. But when we're in a venue like the Coruscant Ballroom at the Chase Park Plaza, I mean, it's this same room where so much wrestling history happened. Mm -hmm. It, It just adds more to it. And it makes that connection there. And it makes for something different. And, you know, I think that that's the problem that WWE kind of gets stuck in. Of course. Everything's so cookie cutter. And everything, look, it get, kind of gets sterile. Yes. And I think a lot of fans, and maybe that's why they're making changes. I don't, I don't know when this is going to air, but as we're recording it, they're going to come out with a new brand of NXT, which I'm excited yeah. to see. Yeah. I'm excited to see new version of nxt is going to be um but i i hope it's more than just them changing the logo uh and kind of bringing it back to the roots that it had and if you think about it nxt is another good example especially when it started of another studio wrestling show where you had incredible talents Mm -hmm. when they first it was just on the network and it was an hour long and you know but just like everything else things change so uh, I'm just happy that we're able to continue on with that tradition. And then, you know, we were able to pull in a lot of emotion. There was a lot of emotion yes. with uh, both Empower and 73. I think Empower was at a, a different level. Uh, no offense to anybody who wrestled on 73. Right. Uh, but there was a lot of crossover there, too. I mean, when we have, you know, Chelsea Green versus Camille, and, mm-hmm. you know, they're both in one night after another night. And that's that's so classic NWA wrestling. That's what the NWA is built on, is to constantly be out there and wrestling and being a star and showing people what professional wrestling really should be and is with us. Um, you know, and I don't I don't mean to disparage the, what the folks over in Connecticut are doing. Sure, Obviously, they're a billion-dollar company. There's a reason why, you know, I'm going to watch all of their pay-per-views. You know, I've got Peacock just for that, and I'll always, you know, be a fan. Right. Uh, you can always also tell with what they're doing right now, there's an awful lot of, I want you to say this, and this is how you're going to say it, and then you've got a person out there that's a wrestler that's trying to follow that. Yeah. Pretty clear, and I think people understand that that's the way that that system works. Uh, we don't work that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could tell. We work. Nobody told Ric Flair what to say. Awesome. Nobody told Ric Flair what to say. We didn't tell Ric Flair which direction to look, which <laughs> I did. Because he kept, every eight seconds, he would do a quarter turn. Sure. And um, probably someone should have told him where the hard cam was. I <laughs> 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 did all of his things here. But we, you know, we had enough floor cams and we caught it all. Right, right. But, you know, it, it was just, here's a mic and go do it. And it's the same thing with Trevor Murdoch. When you hear Trevor Murdoch, he speaks from the heart. Yes. When Aldis, nobody's written a promo for Nick Aldis in the time that he's been in the National Wrestling. Awesome. You, you you can't. You can't. There's no there's no way to be able to, to fake that. It has to come from him. Mm-hmm. And the same goes all the, all of our other talents. And whether they're you know brand new talents like a, a Jordan Clearwater. Mm-hmm or Black G's, mm-hmm. or they're people who have been in the National Wrestling Alliance for decades, like Austin Idol, uh, we trust that you are talented, that you know who you are, and that you're going to deliver. And so here's the mic, go. 
And honestly, the only direction that a lot of these guys will get, especially when they're at the podium, is the question that they're being asked. Mm. That's okay. how you know what it. In the same way that if I were to go and interview the mayor of San Antonio tomorrow, which I could, mm-hmm. which regular, I'm not going to talk to him ahead of time. Hey, this is what we're going to go over. No, it's an interview. Here's the question. Give me your answer. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing that we do in the NWA. Here's the question. Give me your answer. Here's your opportunity to get yourself over. Here's your opportunity to tell the story. Do it to the best you can. There have been people who have done it and they have failed, Mm -hmm. you know, and whether they just failed once and we picked things up and we got better or they're no longer with us. That's, that's just the way it is. Um, and, but we give everyone these opportunities, like let's hear what you have to say and let's see what you can do and see if you can draw a crowd. Let's see if you can, you know, at the end of the day, it's still wrestling. We've got to sell tickets for seats and we got to sell subscriptions, you know? So if you can pull that off and you can help, you know, move the train forward, then there's a place for you. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Well, I'm a huge fan of like people like slice boogie. Obviously Nick Aldis is up there. Trevor Murdoch, Aaron Stevens is fantastic. No matter what he does, that man could make me laugh and no matter what mood I'm in. So I love that as well. But who are some of the talent that people haven't really heard of that they should keep an eye on? Okay, well, I think everybody kind of fell in love with Tootie Lynn, oh, which yes. was easy to do because it was her hometown, uh, which is fantastic. And uh, But she's incredibly talented. Uh, she has actually really good mic skills and stuff. So I think that sky is the limit for her. She's also so young. Mm. Uh, she's so much of her career ahead of her. And so as long as, you know, she stays injury-free, you know, for the most part, she can really be a, a real star, like a super big star yeah. in the few, in the near future, I should say. Uh, and then if you take a look at some of our other, you know, Kenzie Page, I'm going to keep naming women because I'm kind of still folks, <laughs> still fixated. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, you know, Kenzie Page is definitely one out there that she's really making waves now. Mm-hmm. And the style that she has, the lineage that she comes from and the training that she's had, she's so good. Um, and then you have these incredible characters out there like genocide and a boy, you know, it's, and I can feel it because she gets the same reaction. You know, when the NWA, we, we have very gracious fans in that room and they'll pop for, you know, a lot of people that come out there, sure. you know, not to sit and bring out somebody bad and they just kind of give us a gimme. But, uh, it, it, I've worked on other shows where the crowd will turn mm, <laughs> just right. Wrestling fans are that way. Yeah. That's fine. I was one of it was one of those fans on an indie show that would boo the face for no reason. Right. But you know, I've called her matches at Mission Pro Wrestling for it, for example. Okay. And she fucking tears the roof off over there. Pardon my swearing. No. But she tears Go for it. over there, and uh, it is is incredible. <laughs> and. You look at so many of these other people that we have uh, in our men's division. I think, you know, especially a lot of American audiences out there didn't know about La Rebellion. Right. True. But you know, the second they hit the ring and there's Conan, <laughs> oh, guys, it's the big deal. Right. And 
now they're they're NWA World Tag Team Champions, and they're take. Uh, I don't know if you follow them on social media. They're taking those belts everywhere. I know. Yeah, uh, I've noticed. <laughs> why wouldn't you? And I think the, the great thing is we've made all of these basic just on social media. You know, because we get all the attention from you know, our show is really geared for those old school wrestling fans. It's and so many professional wrestlers are those wrestling fans and so when you see guys like FTR go on Twitter mm. and they say nice belts we want a shot that door's open exactly and we already have that relationship and Tony Khan has been so gracious to us and uh, allowing us to use a lot of his talent uh, and you're going to see more of that and you're going to see more of that whether that's with AEW whether that's with Impact whether that's with New Japan whether that's with AAA you know, or the millions of other places that are out there, right. uh, track more of it. And you're going to see some incredible talent and it might be talent that you don't know. Somebody that you've never really seen before or had an opportunity to, that maybe just hasn't had that shot for one reason or another. And they're going to come in and they're going to be like the next big thing. And you, mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of that with Jordan. I see a lot of that with Jordan Clearwater. Um, he's got the look, he can talk, He's got the size, and that size is getting bigger because he's also doing, uh, I believe he's also doing bodybuilding competitions and stuff too. So I mean, he is just jacked. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and that helps in the sport of professional wrestling, you know? And so we've got a lot of plans in the works. I think we're going to see actually probably um, some fresh faces when we head back to Atlanta. And there'll probably be a lot of different stuff when we do our other East coast show in October. Um, make sure to follow us on our social media. We'll have some big breaking news announcements that NWA might be coming to a town near you. That's awesome. Well, let's switch gears for a little bit now. Like you said, you also do other stuff. You're a reporter a, or is a broadcast journalist. Like what's the difference? What, what do you prefer to be called? Um, Joe, Joe's good. <laughs> a lot of times I just get called an asshole. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. But no, <laughs> Um, uh-huh. No, but it, it, like so many people in this day and age, uh, especially people, you know, in their 30s and even in their 40s at this point, just like right now, you need to diversify your portfolio, not only when it comes to your investments, but also with your career goals. That is so true. Well, uh, what's so great about the the two careers that I have is I tell people this all the time. One hand washes the other Mm -hmm. and better. I am as a broadcaster for wrestling. It'll make me a better reporter and on air talent for news and vice versa. Right. Because at the end of the day, you know, when I'm doing these sit down interviews with Nick Aldis and stuff, it's the same as me doing sit down interviews with, you know, the head of the local utility that completely failed people in the state of texas in february and you sure. need to ask them hard questions mm-hmm. you're not there to make friends right. you're there to get an and i feel the same way when i'm there and i'm interviewing somebody who has done wrong in the nwa mm. and it's like, no 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 we need to talk because <laughs> these people are answers and i put myself in that position where you know i'm right on the edge of having violence against me uh, in the NWA. And the same could be said about stories that I've done. I mean, journalism is the 
one of the most dangerous careers that anyone can have. It's a lot easier here in the United States, but especially you look internationally, very dangerous. You're exposing powerful people. You're speaking truth to power. Right. And the powerful people have friends that they will use and associates and resources to silence you. And it's out there. And so you have to be willing to take that risk. And so whether it's me talking to and asking hard questions of a person who is four inches taller, 50 pounds heavier, and is an incredible app, or they're a person who's a politician that has millions of dollars in their back pocket from a bunch of investors out there that might not be having the best ideas and intentions for the people who voted them in, it's the same sort of attitude and the same sort of mindset that you have to have going into it. And that's the only way that you're going to be successful. I mean, you could do, you know, journalism out there and there's so many people out there that are like, they'll do the fluff piece. And, you know, there's all, that's, there's a, a space for that. There's television that's meant for that. Uh, but that's not my style. And that's not what I think people really, it's not what, it's not what initiates change. And that's really the goal that you should have. That makes sense. In, in journalism is to initiate change for the better and to help the people help the give a voice to the voiceless. And so like, that's always the goal and the guiding principle. And at the end of the day, if you are doing that and you're doing it well, the viewers come to you. And then when the viewers come to you, then you're able to continue to build on that and you're able to uh, bring in the advertisers and everything. But at the end of the day, the first needs to do is you need to hold people accountable you need to be able to be a decent storyteller and you need to be able to make changes in people's lives for the better. And then everything better will come after that. It's in the same way that if you're going to, you know, initiate a nonprofit or something like that, you have to do the good work first and then everything else that comes, comes on the back end of it as far as profitability and viewership and all that. No, most definitely. So you've covered, like you said, some crazy shit, like wildfires, shootings. Were you ever in serious danger? Do you ever fear for your life out of her at one point? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, wow. There have been several instances, uh, especially when I was covering the wildfires in Southern California. Right. Um, it, I, don't, I don't know what the rules are up in Canada as okay. far as what they allow journalists to do. Mm-hmm. but And even in other states, it's different. But oh, in California, okay. the rules are very simple. Uh, there aren't any. Uh, covering, <laughs> okay. You're covering wildfires. You go up to the firefighters and their command staff, and they uh, and they'll tell you, "Hey, the fire's doing this. Sure, you can get do whatever you want. Uh, if you go past this point, we won't save you." Oh wow! Yeah, so you can go ahead and go on past that point if you want. Wow! Uh, but if you get in trouble, you're screwed. Um, and sometimes you get pretty close to that point. And I remember very clearly I was covering a fire that was called the Blue Cut Fire, which was a a horrible fire in Southern California, Mm. uh, just east of Los Angeles. And um, we pulled over to the side of the road, and I think we had a a 530 hit for our CBS affiliate. And uh, so we're setting up. I'm doing the live thing. We have the old – this is the old school van, so it has the big antenna and the fish and all that. (laughs) We get set up. And uh, my cameraman, uh, uh, 
His name's Chris, but he went by the Tarp because his last name was Tarpening, and everyone called him Tarp. Okay. Tarp's got you covered. And I see in the distance, and I don't know if you've seen these, in, and I'm sure you have with all the wildfires you have in, in Canada. There's right. these basically flaming tornadoes because fires create their own weather patterns. Exactly. Yes, of course. And, and they change, and and we're almost ready to go live and I hear them in my ear and I see in the distance oh, this no. flaming dust devil tornado. Oh my God. It It's moving towards us, but it's far. Okay. And I'm thinking this hits a minute long. It's 60 seconds. I'm just telling people where we are and where <laughs> we're going to be. Sure. So it, half an hour they could tune in for us. Right, right. And I, my head and the second I sign off, you know, Joe Galley, CBS two back to you. You can also hear me say, "Tarp, get back in the truck." <laughs> and God, we had the doors open because this flaming tornado just overtook us. Oh my and God! And I was—it burned the hair on the back of my neck. Oh, um, it got that close. Shit. We were smart enough to where we're wearing, you know, the same fire retardant gear that okay. firefighters. Okay. Good. Had I been wearing, you know, street clothes, they would have burned. Right. <laughs> and I probably pretty seriously injured, but we dove into the truck at the very last second. And it just, you know, it, like I said, it burned the back of my head. And like it, it all happened so fast because mm. this thing was covering ground. It, this, this thing must've been going at, you know, 20 miles an hour. Right. And it just kind of, in that nanosecond just flies over us and through us. And so that was a scary moment. Um, I also remember, I don't know if here in the United States, I've covered an awful lot of mass shootings, unfortunately. Yeah, that sucks. It's one in San Bernardino, which I think has been ruled technically a terrorist incident. Oh, wow. We had arrived in just enough time where it was a couple that was involved in this mass shooting. Mm-hmm. And we had pulled off and we had just arrived. We had just arrived on the scene okay. and then we noticed all the cops were driving down a road. And it's because they had actually initiated a high speed pursuit. Ooh. We were a block away from the shootout that they had with the cops, which ended up them dying from it. But we were close enough to where I was hearing the bullets pass overhead. Oh, like, wow, that's nuts. You're hearing shots and then you're hearing the, you know. Holy oh, crap. And it's like you feel like you're in Fallujah or something at that point. And Jesus. so, you know, there, there's been those types of situations. Um, uh, covering flooding is always fun because <laughs> you never know if you're going to get stuck somewhere. You oh. end up swamping a vehicle. Sure. You know, I've had it. I've had the opportunity to cover a lot of hurricanes and, you know, do that thing. It's a, it's a, I think it's a television reporter bucket list where you stand, you want to get the guy that's standing up and it's like, that's a category four hurricane. Right. Wind's blowing and all that sort of stuff. So I've had read and I've been able to do that. And, um, but yeah. And then there've just, there've wow. been other small things, smaller situations. Um, <laughs> I literally, I was covering a, a gang shooting that happened in San Antonio. Sure. And, um, you know, one thing that you do is you try to get the story and that involves knocking on doors. Um, and so we had gone back to the house 
where the shooting had happened. I believe a child died, if oh, I remember, no. sir. Okay. And as we're pulling up to the house, there's two guys outside just with guns oh. in their hands. Like, they're just holding handguns. Wow. And they're, and they're tough-looking individuals mm-hmm. that are wearing attire that one might classify as gang attire. Sure. And, and the, we, we never even got the car to a full stop. And I just said, just keep driving, just keep driving. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. And then I had to call my boss and be like, we're not getting the story today. <laughs> Those guys are on high alert because there's some gang stuff going on, all that other sort of stuff. So oh, wow. there have been all situations and stuff. And, you know, that stuff's been dangerous. I, we had a, an awful lot, I'm sure, as you folks, I don't know if it, once again, I'm not sure if it's the same in Canada. We had a lot of social unrest that happened recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, that included some, of course, you know, I would call it minor rioting compared to, you know, if you look at places like, you know, Ferguson and Minneapolis and okay. all that other stuff. Sure. But we had those sorts of marches that came out here. Yep. Um, and I, I covered those. And there was destruction and people throwing bricks through windows, things oh, like that. You don't know how exactly things are going to go. Um, so, but, uh, you know, also, you know, me coming from the background that you are, you know, people who invest themselves in the sport of professional wrestling, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a certain amount of risk aversion that you have in life and you're willing to take an awful lot more risk than a lot than I feel the average human being is. Uh, Because if you just think about the level of violence that you have to go through and, you know, every match that you have, every person that works, I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're working WWE in your main event at WrestleMania or you're just doing 15 minutes in a VFW hall in Poughkeepsie, uh, if you're having a match, you're putting your body through the same amount of damage as you would through a, a, a relatively moderate car crash. Right. And so you're you're already you're already accustomed to being that close to that level of danger. Sure. And so I think having that experience, having the fact that I know that I'm decent enough to protect myself. You know, not that I, you know, had to throw down with anybody. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe one of those days might happen. Uh, I hope it doesn't. I mean, I think maybe younger journalist me would would have welcomed the opportunity <laughs> to practice jujitsu skills on somebody who wanted to step up to me. But, you, you know, I've gotten to the point where it's like, just put your hands up and say, you know, I'm leaving. It's fine. Whatever. Wow, that's okay. This whole time, I thought that the journalism part was less adrenaline rushed than the wrestling. Because I was going to say, how do you go from calling an event to going back to calling Monday news? But this is not nothing <laughs> the uh, normal. I, I don't. I don't do Monday news. I don't do Monday. Right. Now, <laughs> uh, in the environment that we have, um, I've had to do an awful lot of sad news. Right. That's oh, that's worst, and that's the stuff that drains me the most. Um, oh. I can't tell you how many interviews I've had to do with parents of dead children. And oh shit! Those are the hardest yeah. um, by far, Oof. and that's the stuff that just—it's like a knife in my heart you know, mm. every time, every time uh, doing those types of stories. But they're important stories to tell, of course. Uh, you know, and we we need to be able to do those. And then there have been so many people that I've interviewed. You know, we. In our newsroom, we call it our faces of COVID stories, mm. because especially at the beginning of the pandemic, there, you know, and even now, 
and I'm sure your listeners see it all the time wherever they live, there's always numbers that are coming out. And every day they'll yep. see new numbers. This many people yep. are sick. This many people are in the hospital. This many people have died. And I knew it was important to make sure that as many of those numbers of people, especially those who passed away, those need to be represented and we need to tell their story, not just of their illness, but the life that they had and what is now missing from our community because of this virus. And so since the beginning of this pandemic, it's been more than 18 months at this point. I know. And Oof. I don't know if you realize this, but San Antonio was sort of ground zero for the continental United States. Mm, okay. Our COVID does. If you remember way back when we had, they had the princess cruise where all those people were sick, right? Yes. Okay. Those people were brought to San Antonio. It's the air force base out here. Gotcha. Kind of this epicenter of where it kind of grew domestically, especially for the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. I've done so many of these heart wrenching stories about people, you know, that are just gone too soon. And uh, so many people, you know, in their forties, in their late thirties, you know, know, thankfully not too many children that have, you know, passed away from it, even though that's, that is happening. But, yeah. and those are the types of stories that I've had to do lately. And, um, it's a shame because I've done so many of them, they start to blur together. Oh yeah. Uh, I can imagine. But, you know, we just, I, I think it's important to tell that. And to also, if we can do anything to actually help these families out, I mean, we've got, such a broken system in the United States when it comes to our health care mm. and when it comes to the way that families can support themselves. If there's a death in the family, you know, we've got these people that, you know, they're in their forties, this is their prime, you know, earning years. And then they get COVID and they die. And, you know, especially back before there was a vaccine and then they're a complete innocent victim. And there's nothing they could have really done to protect themselves. And you're doing these heartbreaking stories. And then, the, the tag out, my last line in the story usually is there's a GoFundMe account right. to try to pay for this, that, and the other thing. And so I I don't know if we'll ever make change here in the United States to have something like you guys have up in Canada, your health care, right, right. or at least get close to it. But I feel like the best thing I could do is continually shine a light on it. Know. You know, and I have family members that have gone through serious illness and a bankruptcy. Wow. And that's a problem we have in this country. And so mm-hmm. as many stories as I can do without explicitly just because once you've crossed a line, then you're the reporter. That's you're, you're then you've gone. Then I've gone to the now I'm a health commentator. Now I'm that talking head. Right. But if I'm presenting the facts of the situation of this is what happened, this is why it happened. And this is the repercussions that families have. And if I could put a light on that, I'm hoping it helps push us towards a positive change to where we'll make some better policy decisions to where people don't need to be completely destitute because they got sick. And so that's, that's part of the reason why I, I still have the career in journalism. You know, it's hard for me to walk away from because I know we're doing, I know I'm doing so much potential good with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could very, you know, fiscally, I could walk away from it and just do pro wrestling and, you know, do commentary for the NWA and a few other local feds and I could get by and I could live the same life. That I have, but I don't think that would be as rewarding as it is to be able to 
you know, help people in the real world. And so, I don't know, at some point, one's going to have to give. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's the great thing about working with the NWA. If I was, you know, if I was with a, a touring company, which the NWA might become, and that's when I really have to make some tough decisions. Okay. But with the way that we hit the studio and we're able to shoot everything, you know, and I could, you know, fly out every six weeks, eight weeks, you know, 12 weeks, whatever the span of time is that it's going to be. But at the same time, I can do this other thing, which I think is enormously helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get a lot of enjoyment out of uh, it's, or I at least get a lot of satisfaction out of it if it's not enjoyment, because a lot of times it is sad, it's crushing, and it's the reason I drank. And, you know, so <laughs> it's, it's one of those situations. But, um, but yeah. I don't know. What was the question? Oh, dangerous stuff that I've done. Yeah, no, that's plenty. Trust me, my friend. That's a plenty. Well, I don't know if you hear my my cat's going crazy in the background because it's feeding time. So let's get to the word story of the week, my friend. All right. Well, good thing because my cats are hungry too. (laughs) So how many do you have actually before we get there? I I have two. Okay, so do I. I I have Teddy and I have Megatron, who I call Ron for short. I love it. Uh, they're fantastic. And actually, so Teddy, I adopted for my mother. Okay. She couldn't take care of the cat anymore. So I got the cat and then Megatron. I'll just tell this quick story real sure. quick. Um, I was out in Carrizo Springs, which is a very small border town in Texas. Okay. And I was boarding on a high school teacher that who had been arrested for having a sexual relationship with a student. Oh, wow. And so we had, it, it, it took us forever to get there. And so we get to the school and I've got like, 10 minutes for us to just turn the camera on and I had to do a live report at 11 a.m. Okay. And I see this little, and this school is, it's, it's really rural. So it's right on this, you know, two lane highway. And I just see this little fur ball crossing the highway. Okay. And I was like, well, that's a fucking gopher. And then I realized, ah, oh, crap, that's a kitten. Oh. And I told, and I yelled at my camera guy who had no idea what was going on. I said, right. don't let me die. And I took off running. <laughs> on this highway <laughs> and I scooped up this what was most likely a, a, a three and a half four five week old kitten oh poor thing and I in fact and to this day I do not know if that cat if if Megatron was out in the bush somewhere and was a wild cat right. or if somebody had th- just yeah a window exactly deck, uh, as they drove by, which actually I think is probably more because there were just there was just a lot of traffic, and I never found another cat out there. And yeah. I looked, and I was like, okay, oh. and now, now she's part of my life. Oh, there you That's go. Like, That's awesome. She's That's- also an incredible asshole. <laughs> yeah, but most cats are. Come on, like they have that. Like no matter how much you love them and they love you, because obviously people don't think that cats could be affectionate. Oh, they can, but. When they want to be assholes, holy... When my cat doesn't get her way, she doesn't talk to us for like two days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they keep All grudges. Right. Story, of the, story of the week. What are we doing? All right. So, this week's story comes from Buffalo, where a 35-year-old woman plunged 15 to 20 feet off a balcony. So... My cats did not like that story. <laughs> they're already playing. Hey! I'm on the phone. Settle down, you two. All right, go ahead. She plunged. So she, she survived, had multiple injuries. So how it happened, actually. Have you covered any paranormal activity? Ooh, yes. 
Yes, I have. Oh, you have! Fantastic. Yes, I have. There's there have been a, many a, a haunted story. Actually, another quick diversion here. Sure. Uh, when I when my I had a uh, journalism class okay. in high school. Okay. That was a television. It was the first story I ever did. Okay. It was actually a video production class, and the first assignment was to make a news story. Mm. And our my high school was actually attached to a California mission, oh. which I don't know if you know your California history, but that's where the Spaniards set up missions all along. And so it was ancient. And so okay. there was a hallway that was only for faculty, which was an older part of the building. So we, as students, you know, and children, you imagine something's restricted to you because it's haunted. Right. That was my first ever news report was on the haunted hallway of Bishop Alamany. Wow. <laughs> My first ever quote unquote news was me doing a, a paranormal story. And then we did the thing where you, we, you know, it, it's, it's high school. So you're lying. Sure. And so you just, we set a camera up and then we like, and we just set this camera record in this hallway for six hours. <laughs> and obviously we did it for 10 seconds. Sure. And I just flickered the light. <laughs> but people bought it. They were like, Oh my God, it's a ghost. You got to look at the light. That's fantastic. But anyways, go oh. ahead. So back to the story. Okay. So she wasn't there by herself. It was her and a co-worker. So they went into an abandoned building, and their profession is ghost hunters. Okay. So they thought that this building was haunted. Someone told them. So the two split up. He ended up staying on the main floor. She went upstairs. And that's how she fell over off the balcony. The only thing she remembers is someone or some being that pushed her off of it. So the guy was on the main floor. He couldn't have gone up there fast enough to push her and then come back down and see. So you know what I mean? So, or was it just a squatter or something? Who who fucking knows? <laughs> well, see, here's my suspicion that I have with it. Looking okay. at the detective journal, I'm assuming the uh, property that they're investigating probably was not built to current building codes for Buffalo. I'm assuming. <laughs> this thing was probably built prior to you know 1895 that would and uh he's going up on a balcony and you know balconies and you know and i've got a small construction background myself uh <laughs> growing up son of a contractor uh, not quite the son of a plumber like dusty Rhodes, but the son of a contractor uh you're gonna get a lot of weather you're gonna get a lot of erosion you're gonna get a lot of rot on those balconies. So perhaps this woman, I'm not saying that she's heavy set or anything, but perhaps she was just enough weight to collapse it herself and then fall. And then you've fallen and you're like, well, we're ghost hunters. We got to pay the bills. We got to tell the stories. <laughs> Why don't we just say somebody That's gave me a true. shoulder tackle? You know, the ghost of Abraham Lincoln was there and oh he just God. gave me a super kick to the side of the face. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! And this is a great tease. This will be an exclusive tease for you right now. Mm. I just mentioned the ghost of Abraham Lincoln, and the reason I did that is because you may or may not see something quite similar to that on NWA programming very oh soon. So, oh my goodness, a tuned for that. Well, the rumor I always heard growing up and everything was that Abraham Lincoln was the original NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Do you guys recognize that? You know, I. We do not. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but here, because that would have been well before the formation of the NWA. Makes sense. But, it, but those, you know, those of you who may not know American history is that Abraham Lincoln uh, was an accomplished wrestler.
wrestler in his own right in what you would probably most likely call a catch style or a collegiate style or an Olympic style of wrestling. Uh, and so he was, uh, I'm not sure what sort of championships they had back in that time. I don't know if there are records of it, but it is very well publicized that that was his sport of choice as a young man. Uh, which makes you think that he probably could have handled himself under any circumstances other than some guy, you know, in a dark theater coming up behind him. Right. So, you know, you know, I wouldn't want to mess with him. Plus, he was like, I don't know, seven foot two with the hat, you know? <laughs> so, like, that's an imposing figure. I don't know if I'd want to squabble with good old age. And then, you know, he killed vampires. I don't know if you saw that documentary, right. Abraham Lincoln, Fire Hunter. Yeah. That's all. That's all 100% legit. Of course. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome well joe thank you very much for coming aboard today really appreciate plug your shit where people can find you anything you want to promote my friend sure sure if you want to follow me on social media the easiest thing you do is find me on uh the uh the old twitter at joe galley news uh once again if you're listening to this and you, you're not a fan of the nwa what is wrong with you uh but you can find us every tuesday at 605 eastern exclusively on fight tv that you can get the app for your phone for your smart tv uh it's a subscription base but we make it worth every single penny mm -hmm. so um make sure to follow us there uh we now have a brand new pro wrestling tees store so just search mm -hmm. nwa pro wrestling tees you can see all kinds of cool merchandise that we have coming out over there and once again as always i'd like to thank our sponsors to help keep my lights on which is our friends over at car shield help protecting people from expensive car repairs and delicious natural crisp refreshing bush light yeah, that's all my plugs. <laughs> and for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them, almost definitely helps me out. Most importantly, please, I'll beat it to a dead What's the saying? Beat it to a dead horse? Beat it. You'll beat a dead horse. Beat a dead horse, yes. Rate, subscribe, review. Most importantly, please, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Joe, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. One last thing quickly. You've been immortalized in a wrestling game, Retromania Wrestling. How cool is that? Oh, my God. That, you know, I never thought I'd see the day. Not only am I immortalized in that video game, and I'll always be thankful for those folks to have me do that. Uh, and to be a part of something like that. I never thought, come on, you would if you would have told 14-year-old Joe Gowley, you know, <laughs> sit Monday Night Raw on his friend's couch, you know, right. eating his friend's mom's lasagna that you made. Yeah, you're going to be in a wrestling video game one day. i like, yeah, go F yourself. What are you talking about? So it's, and that's fantastic. And you know, all the other great stuff out there. With, and uh, you know what? We got a lot of stuff coming down. And you know what's really great is I love the smaller things that come from fans too. Like we have everybody that comes up and sometimes they'll make artwork of me. Sure. They actually make, there's a few people that make playing cards and I'm oh, in some so sort of cool. playing games and it's like oh this is all great stuff and it's like can i get two so i can send one to my mom She'll like it. Oh, I said. but anyways yeah it's cool stuff and more to come awesome on that note he's joe i'm steve this is the podcast peace